power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless God for this evening. Just close your eyes. Just begin to thank God for your life. Thank Him for His protection throughout the entire day. Thank Him for His provision. Thank Him for His grace. That is sufficient for you and for His strength. That is made perfect even in the times of your weakness. Just give Him glory. Just give Him praise. Bless His holy name. Indeed, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the sustainer of our lives. He is the pillar that holds our lives. Just give him glory. Just give him praise. We want to pray and prepare your heart and your mind for the word that is about to come forth. We want to pray that the heavens will be opened upon your head. That the Lord will give you an attentive heart to receive this word with the right spirit and with the right mentality. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we want to come against every obstacles of the enemy against the entrance of the word tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God, pray that the Spirit of God Himself will minister to you through this word. In the name of Jesus, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, we give you praise. Indeed, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. We thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to gather as your children to listen to your word. As this word is about to come forth, I pray that it will come forth with power. Let it bring about a transformation in somebody's life. Let this word be sown as a seed in somebody's life. Let it germinate and bear fruits for all to see. I take authority in the realm of the Spirit. I come against every obstructions, every distractions in the name of Jesus. And we declare the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father tonight through the Word. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. We thank God for tonight, and I believe everybody is doing well. You are hearty and gay and well in body, spirit, and soul. Hallelujah. Tonight, we want to delve briefly into the word. I just have a short word for you today. And it's the fourth in our series of the Abundant Life series. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And tonight, we are on the fourth of the series of the Abundant Life series. And... Um, I'm trusting God to deposit something into your life, deposit something into your mind and your spirit that will help you to live life and live it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Tonight, we are going to deal with a subject which I believe is very, very important for us as Christians. And uh, even for that matter, for us as Africans, as, as Ghanaians, because it is something I believe we need to get rid of. It's something I believe we need to deal with. And it's a subject of mediocrity. I've entitled it The Menace of Mediocrity. The Menace of Mediocrity. So what is menace? I just want to define menace for you. Menace is simply defined as a thing that is likely to cause harm. That means mediocrity can cause a lot of harm to you. 
Mediocrity can cause a lot of harm to your ambitions in life. Mediocrity can cause a lot of harm to your destiny. Mediocrity can cause a lot of harm to your dreams and visions in life. Hallelujah. So a menace is a thing that is likely to cause harm. So the word mediocrity, it comes from the word mediocre. And what is the definition for the word mediocre? Mediocre, as I searched the dictionary, is defined as of only average quality, not very good. Of only average quality, not very good. Your life must not be of only average quality. Hallelujah. Your life must be a very good life. Amen. That is the life that is lived abundantly. Of only average quality, not very good. And I've stated that this thing called mediocrity is something that is is a problem here in the continent of Africa, amongst we black people especially. We, We tend to elevate mediocrity. We tend to celebrate mediocrity. In fact, when you try to stand out, you look like you are some way. When you try to stand out, you look like our term we have for it is you are too known. You 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 are some way. You are just just try and be humble. Hallelujah. But today may that spirit leave you. May may that mentality leave you. May God renew your mind through his word. Amen. I looked out for some synonyms for mediocre. And the things that came out are very interesting. So I'm going to list some of the synonyms for the word mediocre. So I'll go over the original definition for mediocre again. It says of only average quality, not very good. Of only average quality, not very good. So what are some of the synonyms? Synonyms are words that are similar in meaning and carry the same message as another word. So what are some? One of them is ordinary so to be mediocre means to be ordinary so it's like you are just you are just ordinary there's nothing special about you but that is not your story hallelujah another word is common that means too many of your kind can be found and you are you are unique there's nobody who looks exactly like you in fact if you take identical twins they don't even look exactly alike if you live with them for a while you can tell the difference very easily hallelujah so you are, you are not supposed to be common your business is not supposed to be a common business your talent is not a common talent your ministry is not a common ministry another word is commonplace another word is average so you are you are not at the top you are not at the bottom you are a local champion somewhere you are just average another word is indifferent indifferent and a lot of people are exhibiting the spirit of mediocrity because they are simply indifferent they are just there country broke or country no broke with day inside whatever life throws at me i'll take it like that if it is good i take it if it is bad i take it i'll not make any effort to make things better that is indifferent another is middle of the road middle of the road that means you don't get to your destination you start you don't get to your destination where you are actually supposed to go that amount of talent god has placed in you you can't afford to be middle of the road you must get to the target where god intended you to be hallelujah you can't stop in the middle of the road you can't pitch your tent in the middle of the road 
Can you imagine somebody who has preached this 10 in the middle of the road? You are supposed to be going somewhere. You reach halfway and you are like, look, I'm tired. Let me just make my bed in the middle of the road. You see how absurd it looks. But when you live a life of mediocrity, that is the picture of your life. There is something you can do very well, but it's like you are not pushing yourself to the limit. You are just satisfied with being in the middle of the road. And it is a very absurd way to live your life. Another word is medium. Medium. It doesn't mean if you wear medium size shoes, you are mediocre. It doesn't mean if you wear medium size shirt, you are mediocre. But medium means you are not at the top and you are not at the bottom. And somebody is thinking right now, but that is not so bad. At least I am not at the bottom. It is the spirit of mediocrity ministering to you right now. That it is it is alright to be medium. If you can be at the top and you are medium, that is mediocrity. In fact, mediocrity is relative to what you are able to do. If you have reached your limit, and your limit in relation to all the others is medium, that is fine. It's not mediocrity. You have given off your very best. But if you have the ability to reach the top and you stop at medium, it is a manifestation of mediocrity. Another word is moderate. Moderate. So moderate temperature. You are neither hot nor cold. So even Jesus said, you must be hot or cold. If you are neither hot nor cold, you shall be spewed out. That is why people who like mediocrity, they are easily rejected in life. There's nothing special about them. You know, there are sometimes in interviews, they actually pick the one who doesn't impress the most. I heard a certain story. They just decided to pick the one who is not. It depends on what they are looking for in the interview. Sometimes, no, they are not looking for the one who you know excel and for the for the purpose for which they are looking for the person they will take the one who doesn't impress the most maybe they are looking for a teachable person somebody who's ready to learn so mediocre doesn't attract any attention sometimes when you are down there you even attract attention somebody comes and says let me pull you up when you are up there you attract attention hallelujah but when you are in the middle they're moderate nobody really sees you but the bible says you are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden if you cannot be hidden, then you can't be moderate, you can't be mediocre, you can't be average, you can't be common, you can't be commonplace. Hallelujah. Another word is everyday. So you are the, an everyday nurse, you are an everyday banker, you are an everyday doctor, you are an everyday singer, you are an everyday preacher. There must be something outstanding about you. There must be something that catches the eye. There must be something that arrests the attention. There, there must be something that will cause somebody to, to put a punctuation mark to stop and ponder and look again. Hallelujah. Another word is forgettable. Forgettable. When people encounter you after four hours, they've forgotten that they even encountered you because there was nothing outstanding about you. There was nothing outstanding about how you appeared. There was nothing outstanding about how you talked. There was nothing outstanding about what came out of you the ideas that you brought out nothing so you are just simply forgettable i remember one time i saw a headline there was one of these major concerts and they mentioned one artist and they said his performance was forgettable a forgettable a, a, a concert where there were thousands of people and they label your performance forgettable that is a very derogatory statement may your performance and may your 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 doings never be forgettable hallelujah 
may they be noteworthy may they make imprints in the sands of time forgettable another word is amateurish you are an amateur you are not professional you are not professional so you are an artisan you just do the thing anyhow oh if i'm a carpenter let me just put the nails inside let me just drive the nails inside and put the chair together but there's something called finishing you finish it nicely and somebody looks at the chair and it's like ah this is a chair i want to buy but when you're amateurish about it you just do it anyhow you don't pay any attention to detail you are just doing it because it has to be done amateurish tolerable another word is passable Passable is about the same as forgettable. They just pass by your work. They pass by you. They pass by your ministration. They pass every and it's like nothing causes them to stop. Another word is second rate. That means they are stop rate and you you are on the next year. Second rate. Another word is inferior. Inferior. Even when it comes to goods, they are inferior goods. They say when you go to China, they'll ask you, what grade do you like? The same product, they look the same, but different grades. The phone, grade one, grade two, grade three. And the African traders, they go and buy the low grade one and come and make big profit. So you take the phone, it looks nice. One day, two days, three days, the phone does bye-bye. It's gone. It's like a disposable phone. You disposable thing, you use once and that is it. I mean, I've had, I've bought some things that are literally disposable. It's like, you buy it nice, it's working. The following day, is gone. There was a time I bought a certain watch. Looked very nice. By the next day, I was wearing the watch. And the watch literally started disintegrating on my wrist. The strap started falling out. It's there right now. When my wife sees it, she always teases me. Because the thing looked nice on the outside. Looked nice on the outside. I put it on and right on my hand like that. It's as if the, the, the watch had a brain of its own. It's the strap started. It's like everything disintegrated and the watch fell down while I was wearing it. Inferior goods. Hallelujah. When you own your company, may you not produce inferior goods. May you produce high quality goods that will stand the test of time. Another word is uninspired. Some people, they are uninspired. They like nothing inspires them. You can give the most rousing motivational speech. They'll look at you. Mm, 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 let's talk some and let's go. While others are moved and they want to do things. Nothing inspires them. They are just there. And they are happy to be there. Another word is undistinguished. You know some people they are distinguished. They, they are like set apart. You meet them and it's like. oh, There's, 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 there's some impact. There is something about them. That makes them rememberable unexciting unremarkable not very good pedestrian pedestrians like you're walking around you're just walking on the street and quenching something pedestrian yes it is by the roadside you have by the roadside mechanics (laughs) by the roadside all sorts of things but that will not be your story hallelujah your business will not be a by the roadside business to be in a well-situated place with excellence oozing all over it your ministry will not be there by the roadside ministry it will ooze with excellence hallelujah and there are a few informal synonyms to mediocre one of them is okay 
okay. Those of you who are okay with everything, everything is okay. You you don't aim for better, you don't aim for, for higher. It is a manifestation of the spirit of mediocrity. And the last informal word is so so. So so. It's like so so. Yeah, we are just there. So so. Like that. So all these words describe mediocrity. Mediocrity. And I believe mediocrity is a spirit. When I say a spirit, I don't necessarily mean an evil spirit that is flying around or living inside you. I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about a way of thinking. I'm talking about a way of processing things. Let's read Daniel chapter 5 verse 12. Daniel chapter 5 verse 12. For as much as an excellent spirit, wherever you are saying an excellent spirit, and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams, and showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. This was somebody's description of Daniel. That the man had an excellent spirit. A spirit of excellence. For me, the opposite of mediocre is excellent. The opposite of mediocrity is excellence. So if excellence is a spirit, then I believe mediocrity is also a spirit. Hallelujah. And it is one of the pervading mindsets, one of the pervading spirits in Africa. Mediocrity. We like things to be as they are. When you try to make it better, it's like you are being some way. You know, in actual fact, some of the people you work with that you describe as this person is some way. Go back and examine them. Maybe the reason you are saying they are some way is that they have an excellent spirit. They want excellence. They want perfection. They will not settle for less. They won't settle for small, small mistakes that they know you can avoid. So they are some way. They are difficult. They are too new. Everybody have described as too, as too new at work or in school. Tonight, sit and examine the person well. You may realize that it's actually a manifestation of the spirit of excellence. You see, in Africa, when you try to stand out, that is when everybody tries to bring you down. We have the... The, the, the hammering of the nail mentality It's the nail that stands out That gets hammered When you're already down there No hammer touches you When the nail decides to stand out Then you'll be hammered Pack PhD Pull him down It is a pervasive spirit in Africa We are satisfied with little We are satisfied sometimes even with nothing And very soon I'll give you four reasons why People walk in the spirit of mediocrity When we go to something like football, for example, Africa has never won the World Cup. And it's for two reasons. Sometimes it's because of inferiority. We don't believe we are as good as the Europeans. So you have a situation, an African team will lead, and then suddenly they'll lose concentration. They can't, it's like, hey, me amini. It's like, you know, so we are going, actually going to go to the quarterfinal. Hey! And it, we are meeting Italy. It's Italy we are beating. They just get confused suddenly and make mistakes. Somebody will go and launch some two-footed attack. Bam! Penalty. Red card. They score the penalty extra time. And they win. And they are gone. 1994, for example, Nigeria had a very good team that I believe could have gone very far in the World Cup. But they were eliminated in the second round by an Italian team. 
and I believe it was inferiority complex. Because if you watch that match, the Nigerians outplayed them. They led right to the end of the game somewhere. Somebody went and did some bad tackle. There was a penalty. It was 1-1. The match went into extra time. During the extra time, they were just confused. The people got some one ball and they scored. And they were out of the competition. As for the Nigerian team of 1998, I believe they could have won that World Cup. They had a team that was good enough. Players like, uh, what do you call him? J.J. Okocha and Babayaru, Nwankukanu. That team was a solid, 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 solid team. If you watch them play, they're actually one of the best African sides I've seen play. They breeze through their qualifying group. They beat the people and they got to the second round. And from the second round, that's the round of 16. You move to the quarterfinal. In the round of 16, they were paired against um, Denmark. And the winner was going to meet Brazil. They thought, oh, I mean, we've beaten, that's what done Denmark. They were talking, when they interviewed the Nigerian players about Denmark, they were talking about Brazil. Because it's like, oh, you know, this is for the, we beat them. They ended up losing 4-1. A team that could have easily taken that World Cup, in my opinion. Senegal, in 2002, had a very good team. Elhajidi of Kalilu Fadigad. I mean, very, very great team. They beat people. They got to the quarterfinal. When they interviewed their players before the quarterfinal, all of them were saying, oh, even if we lose, we know we'll go back as heroes in our country. Meanwhile, this team had the ability. I don't think they could have beaten the Brazilian team that won the cup. But at least they could have gotten to the final. And they were supposed to go and meet Turkey in the quarterfinal. And they were talking about the fact that when we go home, we're already heroes. We can imagine the bus ride and how the people will be happy because you have gotten to a quarterfinals. All because the only other Afghan team that had gotten to a quarterfinals by then was Rojamila's Cameroon. So they were small watching Rojamila then. And we too, we have done the same thing. Why can't you aim to do better than Rojamila? And they lost to an inferior Turkish team. They beat them. And the Turkish went to the semi-final. As for Ghana in 2010, it was the work of Satan through a man called Suarez. That one we were determined to. <laughs> it wasn't inferiority, it wasn't mediocrity. We were determined to do well. Yes, it was, it was the work of Satan, purely. But this thing called mediocrity has been a problem with the black man. It's been a problem with, with, with Africans. It's been a problem with Africans. Let me give you some of the reasons why people work in mediocrity. Let me give you some of the reasons why people work in mediocrity. One, mental strongholds and wrong mindsets. Mental strongholds and wrong mindsets. For example, who says a female cannot be president in Ghana? But the question is, how many females have even thought of it? Have even dreamt of it? It is a mental stronghold. Countries have been ruled by females. In fact, I saw a certain documentary that was detailing the countries that have handled this COVID-19 thing the best. And all those countries have females as their presidents. All of them, from Germany to wherever, uh, Taiwan, or is it Taiwan, all of those Asian countries, and New Zealand, it is females. They are dealing with the corona well. 
in countries where tough-talking males I'm sure you know where I'm going (laughs) tough-talking males who don't have patience for wrong questions from reporters are leading the the virus is beating them left, right, and down so there are there are mental strongholds there are mental strongholds strongholds in the mind that must be dealt with it is one of the reasons for mediocrity it's like we have certain mindsets about certain things there are certain things that are meant for certain people if i don't belong to that class i shouldn't even aim at it when it comes to politics when it comes to academia i remember there was somebody who was doing biological science hoping to enter medical school and the person had this mentality that if you don't have a relative who is a doctor you will never be taken into medical school and this is somebody i believe if he had the right mentality would have made the necessary grade and would have made it into medical school but it's like oh it's people who have relatives who are doctors people and things like that that, that, which is is never true hallelujah so wrong mindsets mental strongholds wrong mindsets tradition tradition is one of the biggest in quote demons in africa tradition means trying to continue with what was done how it was done the way it was done that is the mentality with which we approach a responsibility anytime we are given a responsibility we want to do exactly what our predecessors did instead of trying to improve upon it the bible says the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former things must get better things must progress when you are comfortable when there is no progress it means you are walking in the spirit of mediocrity hallelujah when you take over a position from somebody don't aim to be as good as the person or some people can even say i wish i were half the christian this person is don't let such words come out of your mouth hallelujah you can be as good a christian as a person or even better you must walk with the spirit of elijah elijah could have said god i want half of the spirit of elijah or even better still i want the same spirit but he said give me double of the spirit of elijah the people that you admire in ministry the people that you admire in business desire to be double what they have to have double what they have hallelujah to walk in a higher grace and a higher anointing if you're a singer and a person wrote 10 songs believe that you can write 20 if you write books and the person wrote four believe you can write eight hallelujah aim for higher why can't you believe that you can be better than the person so tradition we want to continue how it was done that is the same way People are given leadership positions and they want to behave and act the same way as the one they came to take over from. But you see, God knows why he put you in that position at that particular point in time. He has examined your strengths, your weaknesses, your temperament, character, everything and decided that you are the one supposed to occupy this position at this particular point in time. And you are trying to be exactly like the person you came to meet. God deals in seasons. In errors I've always asked this question imagine what would have happened if the positions of Elijah and Moses were to have been swapped 
They were both very powerful prophets. They could hear from God, very anointed. Moses worked miracles. Elijah called down fire. But look at their personalities. Moses was a typical melancholy, quiet, analytical. They didn't talk much. They didn't get angry often. But accumulated the anger. And you know that kind of thing. The quiet people, they accumulate the anger. And the day they explode, everybody is shocked. They wonder whether it's the same person. Moses was a typical type. Israel was misbehaving in the wilderness. Every time he would go and beg for them, God, kill me instead. Please forgive them. This, that, that, that. But the day he came down from the mountain and saw them worshipping the golden calf, they saw a side of Moses they had never seen before. That's a typical melancholy for you. They accumulated. It's like the straw that broke the back of the camel. The straw is not what broke the back of it. It's the accumulated straw. They have been doing things the man had been tolerating. Oh, why you take us back to Egypt? It is, we want meat. Today we want this, 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 this. He had been tolerant. At this one, when he came to say, last straw, he said, today, this one coming is for you. He broke the command. That day, thousands of people actually went, hey, is this the same man? So that was his temperament. Elijah, on the other hand, was a typical choleric. He didn't have time for misbehavior. This thing that Moses was always begging for the people when they are misbehaving and Lord kill me. Elijah would not say God kill me for these stubborn people. No way. He said Lord stay up in heaven. Let me myself call down fire to burn these people and roast them for their stiff naked generation. If Elijah had led them I don't think they would, have, they would have even gotten to Mount Horeb for them to be comfortable there and God will say, uh, what do you call it? Break up. So imagine if they had been swapped. And look at Elijah's strong choleric personality, but he was unable to handle Jezebel. Moses would have committed suicide even before Mount Carmel. Because he didn't have the kind of strength of character to, to, to take that kind of threat. Even the hardcore, choleric, bugabugabucha man. After slaying, if you can take a machete and cut 850 throats, you even chicken. Killing a chicken is a problem for you. This man can butcher 850. One threat from a witch called Jezebel. And he wanted to commit suicide. Can you imagine what would have happened to Moses? Oh, he would have died early. And he would have done nothing. So God knows why he put you there at that particular point in time. He wants you to be you. He wants you to lead like you. He knows he has prepared you for the challenges that are ahead. So this is about tradition. This is how it is done. It is a recipe for mediocrity. When new changes have to be made in companies, in, in, in bodies, in organizations, people are afraid because of the spirit of mediocrity. Oh, this is how it has always been done. But we must look forward. We must look ahead and look out for progress. Hallelujah. So the first reason, mental strongholds. Second reason is comparing yourself with the wrong people. Comparing yourself with the wrong people. A lot of people are comfortable in their comfort zone. And the comfort zone is the third reason. So I'll just combine them for the sake of time. So reason two, comparing yourself with the wrong people. And then uh, the reason three is people being stuck in their comfort zone. 
they are comfortable in life because they are comparing themselves to the wrong people oh I'm doing a business I'm making 50 CDs a day you look at the person selling next to you he's making 10 CDs a day okay then I'm okay so even if you have the ability to make 1000 CDs a day you are comparing yourself to the wrong person why don't you compare yourself to Dangote that's when you will see how small you are comparing yourself with the wrong people you are an eagle but you are mingling with chicken and the more you mingle with the chicken as an eagle very soon you forget that you have the ability to fly instead of hunting prey and eating fresh meat you'll be hunting for worms in the soil a child of God carries too much for you to compare yourself with mediocrity and stay in mediocrity hallelujah even when it comes to um, what do you call it the subject of holiness a lot of believers exhibit mediocrity why because you compare yourself to the, your roommate oh me it's at Friday when I go to prayer meeting my roommate goes to the nightclub he comes back drunk so at least I am better than him I am better than him not even a man of God should be your standard Hebrews chapter 11 after listening to all the great people the hall of fame of the faith Abraham by faith Sarah by faith this is by faith naming all of them when he got to the verse 12 he talked about running this race of life and he talked about the great cloud of witnesses and he went on to say not looking unto Abraham not looking unto Isaac not looking unto Jacob but looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith in other words I've named all these people but that's not your standard look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith when it comes to holiness let's eschew mediocrity and let Christ be our standard hallelujah there are statements we bandy around which are imaginations and when I say imaginations, the Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. These are imaginations. Imaginations are lies. Imaginations are twisted truths. Imaginations are half-truths that the enemy has put out there. And some people have allowed these things to enter their minds and sink into their spirits. And it prevents them from being what God wants them to be. One of those imaginations is this statement, No one is perfect nobody is perfect so when the temptation comes and you can overcome it the enemy whispers no man is perfect and suddenly you say actually no man is perfect even whisper even your pastor is not perfect even the man of God that you respect is not perfect but no human being is supposed to be your standard hallelujah no human being is supposed to be your standard I believe sinless perfection is possible for the believer. You may say I'm extreme, but that is what I believe from the scriptures. It is possible for you to stay and not sin. This mentality, oh, we, we all sin, we, 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 are, we are nobody's perfect. I, I don't, it's not biblical. Hallelujah. And I'll give you just three scriptures. Just three scriptures to prove my point. First scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew 5 48 this is Jesus speaking 
when Jesus speaks, you have to take it serious. It says, Be ye therefore what? Perfect. And he gave us a standard. Even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. This is Jesus speaking. So this is scripture number one. Jesus is telling us we should be perfect. That means you, you must aim at being perfect. You must aim at being that person that when you go for a prayer meeting and they say, let us pray for forgiveness of sins. You have nothing to say. You just worship. Because you can't remember anything. Even if it's something you've done, then probably you were not aware of it. Be perfect. As your father in heaven. That means he's comparing us to God. You should be like your father in heaven. Be perfect. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Here Paul was talking about holiness. He said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The word perfecting has come again. Jesus said we should be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And Paul is saying we must eschew filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh and perfect holiness. Hallelujah. Perfecting holiness is is not something that happens one day. When you say you are perfecting something, it means you get better and better with time. But really, when you look at your life, your holiness, are you getting better and better? Or you are getting worse and worse since you became born again? Are you better and better or you are getting worse and worse? I pray that you get better and better. Hallelujah. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Third scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He's telling us about temptation. Temptation is what makes us sin. And this is what the Bible is saying. After years of canonization of scripture, this was accepted as the word of God. So this is God speaking through the apostle Paul. He said, There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. Who will not suffer you? Suffer means allow. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able? That means God will not allow a temptation that he knows you cannot overcome to come your way. Whether it's a temptation to speak inappropriately, the temptation to act on your lusts, the temptation to steal. God knows our hearts through and through. He knows what you are capable of standing. He knows what you are not capable of standing. And if God examines you and he realizes that this one, you don't have the ability to overcome it, he will not allow it to come to you. That is what the Bible is saying here. He said, but with the temptation also make a way to escape. That means every temptation comes with a window of escape. He will present the window of escape, the door of escape to you. You have to decide that I'm going the way of the temptation or... I'm walking through the door of escape. It is your choice. If the ability to walk away was not there, God will not have allowed that temptation to come. Hallelujah. So with these scriptures, it tells us that we cannot be mediocre where the subject of holiness is concerned. Where the subject of purity is concerned. Because if God knew you could not handle that temptation, he would have blocked it. Once he allowed it, it means the ability is there. It is up to you to decide. That as for this temptation, I'm going to overcome it. And may God give you the grace to overcome the temptations that the enemy shall throw your way. Amen. So three points. Mental strongholds, comparing yourself with the wrong people, and then the comfort zone mentality. And then the fourth point is 
unwillingness to push yourself unwillingness to push yourself you see some people are c-grade students not because that is the best of their ability because that's what they are comfortable with they have the ability to make an a but the a means pushing yourself a little further some people are c-grade ministers it's not because they don't have the ability to be a-grade ministers to get there they need to push themselves a little further a little more studying of the word a little more practice of the singing a little more practice of the of playing the instrument a little more fasting a little more prayer a little more separating yourself to go and wait on god there's a price to pay but people are not prepared to push themselves so they settle for mediocrity see and that is it the difference between the excellent student and the rest is attention to detail when they are reading the notes the lectures that they've all been given the excellent students will read fine details the fine print the mediocre student says let me just take a bird's eye view let me just look at it from a, a very you know general view are you a bird and you are looking at it from a bird's eye view <laughs> while somebody is reading the fine details and trust me every examiner when they are certain questions they set best eye view questions and they set fine detail questions and it's the fine detail questions that separate the men from their boys that is what will determine who will have distinction and who will pass who will just merely pass unwillingness to push yourself you are comfortable you are fine even in dressing dressing people exhibit mediocrity in dressing some of people don't pay attention to their dressing you can look much better but you are satisfied all because of actually i've grabbed already i'm already married but you can look better you see appearance is very important you can never get a second chance to make a first impression you never get a second chance to make a first impression a first impression once made is gone that is it a lot of people make up their minds about you from the way they see you immediately they just make up their minds when the jews went into captivity in babylon they went to look through the people to to select some to go into the king's palace that's how come people like daniel and uh, shadrach meshach they were selected they said they were looking for people who look polished good looking people look so when they came it's just a quick screen and some people got to go to the king's palace eat the king's food and be heads of provinces all of you came as slaves but they said the rest of you you are just good for menial jobs go to the farm go and work go and carry things it's just based on one screening so how you look is important how you present yourself is important sometimes you're complaining people don't respect me people don't respect me when i talk people don't listen look at how you are dressed you are being mediocre in your dressing you just have to pay a little more attention but you are comfortable oh i'm not there to impress anyone god looks at the heart yes it's true men can never see the heart 
they see your clothes first. It's your clothes they see first. Through how you dress. Dress acceptably. Nobody is saying break the bank to look good. There are cheap ways of looking good. Hallelujah. And looking decent and looking appropriate. And correct dressing is not just about wearing the right thing, but wearing the right thing at the right time. If you are going to lead a prayer meeting on a, a pack and you go and wear a three-piece suit, you are inappropriately dressed on a sandy pack. The people come there and tell you what they had, you know, things like you are low, you are three-piece suit. You are inappropriately dressed. In the same way, you can't appear at a dinner with Charlie Wati. You are inappropriately dressed. So in dressing, you must not exhibit mediocrity. Even in our faith, our exhibition of faith, in our work with God, we exhibit a lot of mediocrity. We are satisfied. Oh, after all, me, I can read. In a week, I read five verses. Somebody doesn't read anything in three months. So I'm fine. I'm, I'm better. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Meanwhile, the time is there. The ability is there. You've gone to school. You can read English. And in our time, we don't even have an excuse because the word of God has been put in so many ways for it to be easy. You have audio Bible. You have Bibles on your phones. A lot of people, the, the Bible on their phone is a mere decoration it's just a mere decoration when was the last time you even opened that app really and made use of all its abilities they are concordances when people are preaching they are talking Greek say hey, there they go again Greek Hebrew Greek Hebrew but it didn't come from anywhere there are applications for these things concordances things that help to enrich your worst study life but we are not prepared to push ourselves. We are not prepared to take ourselves to the next level. We are satisfied with where we are. When it comes to even asking God for things, we exhibit mediocrity. You see, God gives off his best. He even overstretches himself for us, but we are not prepared to stretch ourselves for ourselves. You say what? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above what we can ask or think. God is prepared to move the extra mile just for you. But you are not prepared to move the extra mile for yourself. May you repent in Jesus' name. Mediocrity. In our exercise of it, what have you been believing God for? Is it just baby things? You must stretch your faith. Somebody asked God to stop the sun and the moon. In other words, he asked God to stop the earth for him. And the Bible says that day, God had a man like he has never had a man before. And that's because he dared to ask God for something he had never seen before. I dare somebody today, begin to believe God and ask him for something you have never seen before. For something you have never seen in your family before. For something you have never seen in your country before. Hallelujah. There are things in Ghana we've never seen before. There are equipment, machines, there are things, businesses we've never seen before. Begin to trust God for those things because He's more than willing to do it. He is able to do exceeding. And you know this scripture says what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. What God has that means God has installed something, but it hasn't entered the heart of any man yet. He's just waiting for it to enter your heart. 
for you to open your mouth and say it and he will do exceedingly abundantly far above what you even thought and asked this is the god we are dealing with i pray that that spirit of mediocrity will leave your spirit today god has given you so much there are so many territories you must take but you need a certain kind of mentality you need a certain kind of spirit one of my favorite characters in the bible was david god promised israel a certain land he promised the ancestors let's read exodus chapter 3 verse 17 as i get ready to close god promised israel a certain land and what was the land god promised exodus chapter 3 verse 17 he said and i have said i will bring you up out of the affliction of egypt into the land of the canaanites note the names of the people is mentioned the land of the canaanites so god was promising them land now canaanites and the hittites and the amorites and the perizzites and the hivites and the jebusites everybody say jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey this was the promise of god i don't know what god has promised you but you must claim all the promises of god hallelujah don't claim part and leave part claim all of it but israel entered the promised land they managed to get the promised land as for the land of the canaanites they got it the land of the hittites they got it the land of the hivites they got it the perizzites they got it but there was one aspect of the land they could never break into that was the land of the jebusites the word jebusites comes from the word jebus Jebus was a city and it was within the promised land for years israel could not break into that so part of the promise had been fulfilled they are taking part of the promise but there was that land that they could never break into it had become like a stronghold and why was it difficult for israel to break into that stronghold Jebus, or the land of the jebusites is now what we call jerusalem and we all know Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains. That's what the psalmist said. As the mountains surround Jerusalem. It's surrounded by So it was a highly fortified area. When people are surrounded by mountains, if you are coming to attack them, what it means is that you must climb the mountains, descend and enter their zone. By the time you are climbing, they've already seen you. Gravity is against you. They'll throw stones, they'll throw things, and you completely be, 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 be killed. It's It's... It, it was a stronghold it was very difficult for them to be killed and these jebusites had sent some scary statements around they were talking about the fact that even they are they're lame and they're blind there you can't even beat them it's like they were putting fear in the people they were surrounded by israel and bass for that land you can't come in there let's read what happened in second samuel chapter 5 verse 6 to 9 when david was made the king over the whole of israel he decided that look the land god promised our ancestors this is not the full thing we need to get the full thing i will not settle for less the people of israel in history there was a time as a result of prophecy they were they were scattered all over the world and in 1948 they decided to come together again and to be a nation under one flag so that's what you see as the blue and white flag with the star of david in 1948 that's when they came together as one nation 
So when the Jews from around the world decided to come together, they needed to be given a, a piece of land. So they petitioned the United Nations. The United Nations decided, okay, we'll give you some land. And the land they decided to give them was a 24,000 square meter piece of land in current Uganda. If they had accepted that, that means Israel would have been in Africa. The older generation wanted to accept it. But there were some younger politicians led by a man called David Ben-Gurion. He said, no, this is not what God promised us. Where God promised us, it is there in the Middle East. Give us that land. By that time, the Palestinians had occupied it. The United Nations felt if we give them this land, you know, they'll be near their enemies to bring trouble. We just want peace. So let's just separate you and bring you into. Can you imagine Israel in Uganda? And those people, they would have prospered. And around them <laughs> would have been a lot of chaos. In fact, they would have stood out. <laughs> but you see, these people knew what God had promised them. Yes, there are rivers in Uganda, but none of them is the Jordan. That's not what God promised us. There are mountains there, but none of them is Mount Zion. This is not what God promised us. I said, we don't want it. We want the original. And so, the United Nations was forced to create space for them in the land of the ancestors. And that is where Israel is right now, surrounded by their enemies who cannot annihilate them, even though they are just 6 million people. 6 million is just a little above the population of Accra. They've tried several times. When they try, they even lose more land. Israel becomes bigger. When they try to annihilate Israel, you see, US, they are wise, so they've seen and realized that this would there's a certain hand upon them. If you can't beat them, join them. That's why US has a very strong alliance with Israel. Because they know if they joke, Israel, small Israel can beat them. So, David. What I read in Exodus chapter 3 verse 17, land had been promised, but the whole thing hadn't been fulfilled. And this is what the Bible is saying. And the king and his men, that was David, went to Jerusalem. This was just after he had been anointed in Hebron to rule over the entire nation of Israel. Went into Jerusalem onto the Jebusite, where nobody had dared to go to break through. He said, we will take it because this is what God promised us. He said, the inhabitants of the land, which speak unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame. They had been scaring people that even the blind and the lame, they, they are too strong for your people. Thou shalt not come in either. Thinking David cannot come in either. You see, that man, he had a different spirit. Another person would have heard that, that even the lame and the blind can defeat you. He said, Charlie, you after all, we have the land of the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Amorites. Let us take it like that. But I said, no. I want to make this place my capital. I am going to break into it. I'm going to break down that stronghold. And I'm going to take that territory. Next verse. He said, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Look at what they had to do in order to get there. Every, nobody had been able to do it because everybody was using, was trying to use, or if they had tried at all, would have meant climbing the mountain and descending and that was pure defeat but look at it he said and david said on that day whosoever geted up to the gutter say gutter and smited the jebusites let me explain the scripture there was a certain gutter 
an alternate route to get into the land of the Jebusites that nobody was prepared to go into. They would rather climb the mountains and be defeated. But there was a secret passage which was a gutter. It was unclean. It was uncomfortable. But these men were prepared to be uncomfortable. They were prepared to come out of their comfort zone in order to claim the promise of God. That was the secret of their victory. They were ready to go into the gutters. They were ready to to make their hands dirty. Some of us are too lazy. We don't want to make our hands dirty. We, We like comfort. We don't want to stretch ourselves. We don't want to do the uncomfortable thing. But there is something, there's a breakthrough ahead of you that requires that you you dirty your hands a little. That requires you to to put in a little more effort. That requires you to to, uh, uh, endure a little hardship and a little discomfort just for you to get there. There are some businesses you have to work hard. Extra hard. Sometimes you yourself have to carry the thing and go and sell from office to office. In people's eyes, you are lowering yourself. But you are going through the gutter in order for you to get to the promised land. They pass through the gutter. He said the gutter and smited the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul. He said he shall be chief and captain. When they discovered the secret entry, David promised, whoever is able to lead the people to go there, you'll be, you'll be head of the army. He said, wherefore they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Next. The verse 9. He says, so David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. Hallelujah. So this was something nobody had been able to take. But this man was not prepared to settle for less. He wasn't prepared to settle for mediocrity. I pray that that same kind of spirit will come upon you. That you will not settle for less in life. In your academics, in your career. Even when it comes to going to heaven, there's a lot of mediocrity. You hear a lot of people saying, I just want to make it into heaven. Yes, it's better than going to hell. But in heaven, there are greats. There are people who enter heaven to great ovations. There are some too who enter and nobody will know they've entered. Why do you settle for less? Work hard for the kingdom of God so that when you go, you receive crowns. Your glorified body will shine. People will see you and know that you were a faithful servant of God. But don't think like, oh, I just want so long as I get there and I can even be a gate man in heaven. I like, even if I don't get a mansion and I'll be a gate man, that is mediocre thinking. Hallelujah. On earth, if you are told to be a gate man, would you like to be a, a, a gate man here on earth? So, why do you want to be a gate man in heaven? Strive for the best, assume mediocrity, believe that there is more that God can do with you. That's why I like the song that says, We will not settle for less, for we know there's more that is found in you, there is much more that is found in God. Paul discovered that there was so much in God. He said, Beloved, I do not consider myself to have apprehended, but leaving the things that are behind, I press on for the things that are ahead. This is a man who had raised the dead. This is a man who had written many books. This is a man who had healed the sick. This is a man who could preach and teach the gospel. But he said, I do not consider myself to have apprehended. There are many believers who are behaving like they have apprehended. Like they have arrived. 
the fact that you can just speak in some small tongues you are satisfied but there are higher highs and there are deeper depths there are deeper depths of revelations of god deeper depths of encounters with god deeper depths of prayer there are people who could pray 24 hours non-stop may you be like them hallelujah don't be satisfied with just being able to pray five minutes a day there's greater communion ahead god wants to fellowship with us i want you to close your eyes and begin to pray for yourself right now the lord let that spirit of mediocrity leave me i want to strive for the best in life i want to strive for your best i know there is much more that is hidden in you i i i i, I want to experience it i've been too satisfied i've been too mediocre i've liked my comfort zone but i want to move lord i want to move out of that comfort zone you want to pray that the lord shall break mental strongholds that are preventing you from being better in life in the name of jesus christ of nazareth the son of the living god pray that there will be a certain holy agitation a certain holy discomfort with your current spiritual state that some of you you can you can even do more academically you can do more where your career is concerned but you are just satisfied there is so much that is in you god hates mediocrity and that is shown in a parable of the talents where somebody was giving one and he buried it god wants you to have more god wants you to do more just lift up your voice and pray the lord let this mindset of mediocrity lead me in the name of jesus shall we pray father in the name of jesus we thank you for this word that has come for we pray in the name of jesus that it will be cemented deep down in our spirits that at the end of the day we shall be doers of your word and not listeners only we come against every mindset of mediocrity we come against every spirit of mediocrity we pray that you give us the grace to aim high in life to aim high in business aim high in ministry aim high in holiness aim high in our academics aim high in our social interactions with people because there's so much that you have placed in us thank you lord that this word is transforming our lives thank you lord that this word is pushing us to higher heights take glory father take glory son take glory holy spirit forever O lord thy word is settled in heaven in jesus most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow! Someone overflow!